We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to At The Core with Walker Wildman and Rick Green. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Thrilled to be with you this afternoon. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. I cover Tuesdays and Thursdays. Walker Wildman on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And appreciate you joining us. Hopefully every day you're getting encouraged and equipped and inspired. And then you're going out there and taking action in your community to be a part of the solution. That's what uh, we've got to recognize. We've got a duty and a responsibility to do this. It's not just a right. You know, we love to talk about our rights. Oh, I got a right to do this and right to do that. No, we got a responsibility to go with that right. That's where the emphasis needs to be at this time in our particular cultural battles because we're at war. We're in culture war. It's a it's a heart it's a war for the heart and soul of the nation. It's a war for the future of our of our children. Um and I'm telling you, the the Marxists don't play games. They are serious. They have been for decades. They've been in the trenches scratching and clawing and winning. Unfortunately, they've been winning. I think that's turning, though. I, I, I truly do. I see a sea change happening in America, and it's starting in the church where it should start. That's where we've got to revive a love of God's Word, a love of His principles, and a desire to sow those principles into the culture. That's good news. It's really good news to see some of the things that are happening right now in, the, in the, sort of this rebirth of freedom. This is, uh, to use a phrase from from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, but it's a rebirth of, of of even a desire to be free. It's a rebirth of a, of a love for the principles of liberty and a, and a love for the things that actually work. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to experience a little pain from the things that don't work to fall back in love with the things that do work. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes we just are fools. I mean, I, I admit it. I've been there, right? It's just you, you know, you gotta you gotta experience the pain of eating bad <laughs> before you finally go. You know what? The middle section is getting too big, or I'm getting this, you know, sickness or whatever it might be. And go. Maybe I need to go back to those things that are good. I need to stop putting garbage in because I'm getting garbage out. I need to put good stuff in to get good stuff out. Well, that is true with the society. That is true with our neighborhoods. That is true with our, our country as well. And I get to, uh, the privilege of working with a lot of legislators from across the nation. We've got a lot of Patriot Academy grads now that are legislators or school board members or involved in some level at some, uh, you know, some part of uh, government and, 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 the, uh, and the culture. And then, of course, at Wall Builders, we do a, a legislators conference every year where we bring in state reps and senators from across the nation and give them a weekend of sort of a respite. I mean, really, it's a relaxing environment where they get to pray and worship and hear from incredible speakers. And uh, it's just a, it's a it's a really in- encouraging weekend every year. Um, but we get a chance to work with these legislators. And so we're getting to see these legislators f- uh, file legislation and, and pass legislation all over the nation that is a really good sign that we are rebuilding the walls, that we are rebuilding the foundation, that we have awakened enough to realize this stuff is destroying America. And so, you know, whether it's the, the food you put in your body or it's the it's the, you know, poison that, that the culture uh, that the cultural Marxists pour into the education system, if you put that garbage in, you're gonna get garbage out. And the and the garbage out on the culture side, we're seeing it, right? Everybody's everybody's watching these crazy 
drag queen shows and taking kids to that stuff. They're watching the the the, the medical industrial complex get incredibly wealthy, cutting up kids. Literally, they're they're, they're getting wealthy by lying to children about what a woman is, what a man is. Uh, and we're and we're seeing that outcome. We're seeing that garbage out, and we're saying, "How did we get here?" Now, when I say we're saying, "How did we get here?" I mean the culture itself is saying, "How did we get here?" Frankly, we here at AFA, and frankly at Wall Builders and Patriot Academy, we've been saying it for 20, 30, 40 years. We've been warning about this stuff uh, because biblically, if you're in God's word, you know this poison will produce bad results. I mean, man, just go reread Deuteronomy today, and uh, and and Romans. And so we've been warning about it for a long time, but on it, I mean, I don't mean to complain, but people, most people wouldn't listen. Eyes would glaze over, you know, pastors didn't want to touch it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was tough there for a while. Uh, but the negative, the pain, again, living with the pain of the bad decisions wakes us up and we go, wow, how did I get here? Why is the pain happening? What's the input causing it? And how can I change it? And culturally, people are asking that question right now. They're saying, how did we get into this mess, and how do we reverse this? There has to be a better way. What are the things I need to do? Even when you look at the elections, both sides uh, are, say, are saying we don't trust elections anymore. I mean, Democrat, Democrats and Republicans both, when you poll them, are saying we don't trust the outcome. Now, if their guy wins, they say, oh, it's a good, perfect, safe election. If their guy or gal loses, they say, oh, it was it was stolen. Both sides, right? And frankly, I think there's a real possibility that a lot of elections are stolen these days. There's, there's always been fraud. I mean, I'm I'm not one of these people that thinks that 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 Dominion or the the, the computerized systems that out, that all of a sudden allowed for ballot, you know, all the all the uh, mail in ballot and everything. That that wasn't the beginning of voter fraud. It wasn't the beginning of of stealing elections. Ever ever since there's been elections, there's been people willing to steal them because that's the nature of man. That's the depravity of man. There's always been those who would say the end justifies the means. All of these election systems, though, have made it easier to cheat, easier to steal elections. So that's an outcome, a a pain that people are now saying, we don't want any more of that. We, we want elections that we can trust. We want, we want both sides to walk away at the end of the election and go, okay, if you lost, you might walk away and say, I don't like the fact that I lost, but you know, I don't like the fact that my team lost, but at least I trust that the outcome was uh, real and that and that the, the, that their side outworked us. They got more people to the polls, or they were better at marketing their values. They <clears throat> they sold their platform better than we did. I, let's get back to that point, and we're not going to get to that point without correcting a lot of these abuses in the election process. So all of those are examples. I'm just saying there's a wake up out there for all of these areas of pain, whether it's the education system failing completely, the cultural. Um, destruction and depravity that we're seeing with the whole transgender thing and all of that stuff, or or it's the the election process. All of those things are pains that people have, are finally waking up and saying, "I've had enough." And so back to the legislator thing and and what I'm seeing on on that front. All of these pieces of legislation and all these bills that are passing that are really really good signs. So so you know I, I love to say the good, the bad, and the ugly and and kind of put things in that category, but I'm just going to bounce around again uh today like I have been because there's just so much out there. Uh, but but let me give you some of these these good things. We'll talk about some of the the crazy stuff too, but I I love the fact that there are so many school choice bills being filed across the country and so many states are passing it. 
Iowa did did a good one. Louisiana's done a good one. There's other states that have done a good one. It looks like Texas is finally going to get school choice. I say that optimistically speaking. It's a it's a it's a battle right now. I mean, it's knockdown, drag out, trench warfare in the Texas legislature right now over whether or not we will finally get school choice in Texas. I ran for the legislature for the first time and won. Well, I lost on election night and had a recount. That's a whole nother story uh, and won ultimately after the recount. But um, I ran in 1998 and served two terms in the Texas legislature with this as my number one issue. School choice was my number one issue. My second issue to that was property taxes, getting rid of property taxes. And and uh, and then I ended up in some really big fights and led the way on some Second Amendment issues on vaccine choice. That was 25 years ago when I was dealing with that and fighting the medical industrial complex. But school choice was the number one. And we couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done in Texas. Man, the teacher unions owned the legislature, man. They had, I mean, even rural Republicans, even many of them still today, will not support school choice because of the teachers. They're worried about the teacher unions. And, the, and the te- it's not most teachers that are against school choice. It's teacher unions, because teacher unions are all about controlling your child's education. That And they are Marxists. They are controlled by the Marxists now up and down the line. And I'm not saying the teachers are Marxists. I'm saying the teacher unions are Marxists. Now, some teachers are Marxists, but there's a lot of good biblically-minded teachers out there as well. They're on the front lines, and they are unfortunately uh, muzzled too often. And unfortunately, the system itself is controlled by the Marxists, so they are behind enemy lines in many ways, and hats off to them and, and keep up the good fight. But the unions have prevented school choice, which would be good for everyone. It improves the education system for everyone. It gives parents the ability to redirect those dollars to the school that is best going to serve their child. And that's what should be the focus. Is the child getting educated or not? And the parent should be the one to make the decision on where they can get the best education. And so everywhere school choice has happened, it's been good for everybody. It's been good for the parents to take the money and the kid and go somewhere else. It's been good for the school where the kid left because it forces the administrators to do a better job. When the, if you're a business and you're losing business and people are walking out the door and going down the street to the competitor, you've got to eventually say, okay, how do we compete better? How do we improve our product or service? How do we serve the customer better so that they'll keep their dollars with us instead of going down the road? Education has not had to do that for decades and decades and decades and decades. They've had a monopoly, so it doesn't matter how bad of a product they give you doesn't matter how bad they treat your child, how lousy of an education they give your child, how much poison they pour into your child. doesn't matter. If you cannot afford to pay for the public school with your tax dollars and your property taxes and all that and pay for homeschooling or private schooling, then you have no choice. You're stuck. Your kids are stuck in that lousy school. <clears throat> what competition does, though, is it allows you to get out if your school is bad and take the money elsewhere, and it forces that school to get better. And that's what's happened everywhere school choice has ever been tried because the free market works. So the good news is that a lot of these states are now pushing that. And not only the school choice issue, the life issue. I mean, look at what's happening in Iowa right now. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the marriage issue. I said life issue, but that, that one as well. I mean, look at what we did in Texas, my buddy Brian Hughes and the heartbeat bill and then the Dobbs decision. I mean, all those things, really, really positive. But even the marriage issue, the third rail, the issue nobody wanted to touch for so long in Iowa, they are debating right now the possibility of making the uh, the national, you know, re- they call it Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Destruction of Marriage Act. 
but saying no, saying no, we're not going to do that in our state. We're going to expunge same-sex marriage from our state laws, and we're not going to recognize the Respect for Marriage Act, read Destruction of Marriage Act, here in our state. Now, this would set up, I, I don't, honestly, I have my doubts as to whether or not they'll get the votes to do this, but if they do, this would set up a great battle between states' rights and and federal unconstitutional laws outside the jurisdiction of the federal government. I was pushing for back when they when they passed what was it 2015 when the Supreme Court uh, did Obergefell and all these other bad decisions. Uh, I was saying, listen, wh- why don't states just say we're not going to recognize and we're not going to do certificates uh, for marriage other than what has been marriage for throughout human history until the last 15 minutes. Um, we are not going to recognize anything beyond man and woman. So, so these people that want man and man, woman and woman, man and a cat, woman and a cat, you know, all the th- crazy stuff they're doing now. And if you think I'm exaggerating, go look at what they're doing with the furries and schools and these kids that think they're cats now and the insanity that has resulted, the Romans one situation that we're dealing with because of opening the door through homosexual marriage and all the other things that, that they have, uh, that they have pushed. Um, that's where that's where we're headed. Iowa is about to potentially say no. We're done. We're going back to the traditional definition of marriage that has been throughout recorded history until the last fifteen minutes. Wow! Wow! Iowa! Wow! Brad Sherman's the guy's name, Republican out of Iowa. Uh, I just I see this as a good sign. Now, whether or not they get it passed, the fact that they're fighting for it, folks, is good news. So marriage, school choice, life, uh, Second Amendment bills. I mean, there's just good legislation happening in state after state after state. Now, for our friends behind enemy lines, I'd say that somewhat jokingly, in states like California, where you're not getting to see this kind of positive legislation. And even if it gets filed, it has virtually zero chance of passing. Be encouraged. You are not alone, even in your state. There are, depending on the size of your state, to people in California, I can say millions, millions of God-fearing, Bible-believing, church-going, Constitution-loving patriots. You are not alone. Okay, just like Elijah thought he was alone. God said, nope, 7,000 have bowed their knee to bail. I'm telling you, wherever you are in this country, you are not alone. There are millions of others that will stand with you, and we stand with you here at AFA. i got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the phones. 888-589-8840. 888 8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You're listening to At the Core. Do not fret because of evildoers. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A Texas district court judge vindicated Dr. Peter McCullough, a cardiologist and outspoken Schmovid injection critic, by dismissing a lawsuit filed against him by the Baylor Scott and White health system that formerly employed him. The health system sued Dr. McCullough, dubbed a prominent purveyor of misinformation by his detractors, for allegedly violating a separation agreement and bringing the Baylor Scott and White health name into the media in a negative light. Due largely to bold criticism of the mRNA injections, they accused Dr. McCullough of causing them reputational harm. Well, Dr. McCullough got the last laugh as the judge threw this frivolous suit out of court. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Today's girls are surrounded by a culture that places great importance on freedom, freedom of expression specifically. Defining one's opinions is at the bedrock of the Gen Z post-Christian identity. But imagine if you could raise your daughter to know that her identity doesn't lie in what she posts online, who she's friends with, or what political party she thinks is right. The most important step in raising a godly girl is guiding her to establish a firm identity in Christ. He allows us to live free from the chains of our world and our current circumstances. Remind your girl that she is worthy of Christ's promises just as she is and encourage her to discover the identity, vocation, and purpose God has in store for her. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Here's Rob West of Faith and Finance, heard here daily on American Family Radio. I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider investing in the ministry that you know as American Family Association. For over 40 years, American Family Association has been on the front lines in the battle for the future of our great nation. They continue to stand for the biblical principles America was founded upon. One way you can support AFA's efforts is through your estate planning. Why not explore the benefits of including AFA in your estate planning? You can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. Contact Riley Wildman and the team at the AFA Foundation today. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit afafoundation.net. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on At the Core with Walker Wobman and Rick Green. Rick Green with you this afternoon, America's Constitution Coach. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. The phone number is 888 589 8840. That's 888 589 8840. A couple other headlines before we go to the phones. Uh, I filled you up with good news in the in the first segment, so got you got you feeling good. Don't get lazy now. Don't start thinking, oh, well, then it's all taken care of. Because let me hit you between the eyes with a couple of bad ones. Okay, this is happening across the country. Uh, just this this uh, crisis in recruitment, both for military and the police. Now, on the military side, it's it's partly because of the the obscene, absurd jab, uh, just myopic approach that the military took. And a couple weeks ago, we we talked about Steve Dace and Daniel Horwitz's book. You need to get that. That rise of the Fourth Reich. Uh, they interview a lot of the military folks that were dealing with this, and I was shocked at just how crazy it was. I mean, in one case, a general saying, I, "I don't care about the injuries. I don't care about the negative side effects. I just want the vaccine rates up." I mean, can you believe that we would take that kind of a mindset? Just, but we did. We did continue to do that with CDC Center for De- Demented Confusion. They're still pushing that kind of nonsense. Anyway, military is having its own problems. Part of that's national. In fact. Uh, you know, we had uh, Robichaud talk about uh, Chad Robichaud talk about the whole um, just out of shape thing, and and the fact that you know seventeen to twenty four year olds seventy something percent would would can't pass the just the physical exam uh, for the military, and that's as Chad said on the show Tuesday. That's that that's not just like your spec ops guys. That's that's or somebody that's in battle. That's the clerks and everybody else. They can't can't even get people to doing that. So that's a big problem. Recruitment in the military. You got a lot of people. And I get these questions all the time from my Patriot Academy grads. Should I join the military with all the woke stuff going on and all these woke leftist 
generals running the show and a woke administration running the show, and it's a tough question to answer. I have to tell them, and I can't hear God for you. We need good people in the military, absolutely. Whether or not you're called to that, I can't tell you. But, man, if it's my own kid, I'm like, I don't know if I want you in that environment right now. So it's a, it's a bad situation. It's making the military weaker and weaker and weaker, woker and woker and woker, if I can use say it that way. Um, and that's just that's going to have a generational impact. Same thing's happening with the police. Now, you know, we all remember two and a half years ago, the, the, the summer of not so much love uh, as buildings were burned. It started with the police station in, in, in Minnesota with the mayor there giving it over to all the rioters and saying, yeah, burn the police station, let them burn the police station. And that, that told the, the, you know, the rioters all across the country it was okay to do that kind of violence. And so we ended up with you know, thousands and thousands of police officers being harmed, injured, dozens killed, all the crazy stuff that happened with the Black Lives Mafia and the Antifa riots that took place. And so as a result, the police became the bad guys. I mean, that was the whole narrative, right? That's what came out of the George Floyd thing was that the police are the bad guys. That was the the simple perspective. Are there bad police out of hundreds of thousands? Absolutely. Depravity of man, nature of man, always going to have some bad ones. We saw some really bad ones with that with that footage uh, just, what, a month or so ago that came out where you had five black officers that killed a black individual and, and the whole thing, uh, somehow somebody took from that, that blacks are mistreated by the police. <laughs> Even though the five officers that, 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 and you watch the videos, I mean, these were thugs in uniforms. You know, it was, it was awful. What took place was absolutely awful. But why? Because the recruitment has dropped so terribly. And, 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 and you end up with these guys that have no more of a moral compass wearing the uniform as the ones that they're going after. And it's because we made cops the bad guys and said all cops are bad instead of saying, hey, it, this should be an individual thing. And it goes back to MLK. He was 100% right. Judge someone based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So I don't care if a police officer is black or white. I don't care if the purpose black or white. The law and justice should be blind. It should be blind justice. It should be equal justice, and we should treat everybody the same. The Bible says that. You treat whether they're poor or rich, shouldn't matter. Jew or Greek, shouldn't matter. They should be treated the exact same under the law. Well, anyway, as a result of the whole you know, Black Lives Mafia narrative, uh, we, we, we caused people to think it's all about the, pol- the police or the bad guys. And so in my state of Texas and in almost my hometown. I don't live in Austin. I live just west of weird, we like to say here in Dripping Springs, Texas, or just, you know, we, we actually even have shirts. I'm not kidding you. Shirts that, you know, because Austin's proud to say, keep Austin weird. That's the big theme in Austin. So we're proud to say, keep dripping normal, <laughs> just west of weird. Anyway, uh, but we're basically a suburb of Austin. So what happens in Austin significantly impacts us here in my in my hometown. It's part of why we're moving to Fredericksburg with the Patriot Academy campus. But anyway, that's a rabbit trail. Okay, Austin, during the whole Black Lives Mafia thing, cut $150 million from the police budget. I mean, that's hard to fathom. For no reason other than the police are the bad guys and we're trying to make the Black Lives Mafia people love us. I mean, that's that's why they did it. And it was one-third. This is hard to fathom. It was one-third of the police budget. So as a result, here we are now, two and a half years later, they have not been able to restore order. They have not been able to rebuild the police force. They can't even get the recruits. 
and and the good guys and gals that are in uniform are saying we're not being backed by the mayor and by the city council and by the by the city manager and so you know how in the world why would we why would anybody else join us and be a part of this abuse i mean they indicted something like 19 police officers uh back in, in the blm thing for 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 doing their job i mean i i have seen no evidence in that particular case that that these police officers used excessive force or that they did anything they weren't expected to do to try to stop riots and now if you think i'm you know, picking one side over the other on this thing. Let me just get a lot of hate mail and say, I also defend the police officer at the United States Capitol from January 6th that shot Ashley Babbitt. When I say defend him, I don't know all the facts and the details, but the people that are saying he murdered Ashley Babbitt, I cannot agree with that. I mean, listen, if you are climbing through a broken window to the last line of defense before you get to the members of Congress that are being protected by the Capitol Police, something bad is likely to happen. Now, should should she have been shot with an you know instead of using rubber bullets or or maybe hit her with a, a bayonet and push her back to the window? I mean that we could argue, okay. But I've always said for a lo- for my whole life actually that if you've got a riot and you've got a mass mob of people that is is breaking things and hurting people and coming at you. Then, then using deadly force is necessary to stop the riot. And so I, I cannot agree with President Trump or any of these other people that have used the language that she was murdered. I just don't agree with that based on the videos that I've seen. Now, the videos that I've seen show that she was panicking at that point. And her husband says to this day, he thinks what happened was that she, and you see her on video before that, chewing out the people that are breaking windows. She, she was on the right side of things, I think. You watch her videos, she was there for the right reasons. She wasn't breaking things. She wasn't doing harm to people. And and she's actually telling the cops right there, do your job, stop the violence part of this thing. Get up here and stop this guy that was, this guy was slamming a helmet against the windows and breaking them. And when things got really crazy, her husband thinks that she climbed through the window to get away from the craziness. And that very well may be true. I I can totally understand that that might be what happened in that situation. But for the police officer himself on the other side of those doors and the broken window, you have to, if you're going to judge him and claim that he murdered her, you have to get inside his eyes and you have to see what he was seeing. Now, all of this at at the Capitol on January 6th is actually laid at the feet of not of Donald Trump, but of Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is the one that refused Donald Trump's request to have the military there to secure the Capitol and protect the grounds. He asked, the president asked for the for the necessary force to be there, and this would have never happened. None of the stuff on January 6th would have happened if Nancy Pelosi had not denied that request, if she had not refused to allow for the protection of the Capitol to take place. I have done, I don't know, dozens, hundreds, I don't know how many tours of the United States Capitol in the old rooms, the old Senate chamber, the old old Supreme Court chamber, late night tours. I the, the force is typically overwhelming. You could never do what happened on January 6th unless somebody, a.k.a. Nancy Pelosi, was responsible for it. She's the one that denied the help. Unless somebody allowed for a reduction in force and a reduction in protection and did not uh, um, grant the request that the president made, knowing that there were going to be hundreds of thousands of people there. I mean, you can have the sweetest people in the world, and and, and you still need to be prepared for, um, you know, 
instigators and crazy people to be a part of that crowd, which is frankly what I think happened on January 6th. I think you had two different January 6th. You had the vast majority, hundreds of thousands of people literally singing hymns and they're simply to say to Congress, do your job, make sure that the right electors are counted, make sure you're investigating whatever the outcome is the outcome, but make sure that you're doing your job as Congress under the 12th Amendment and 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 not just rubber stamping. That's all they were asking for. But then you did have a few hundred bad actors. And those bad actors that wanted just to create chaos, wanted to break things, wanted to do bad things, I believe to my core, a bunch of them were Antifa, dressed up as Trump supporters. That I mean, you can see the videos of people changing. You can look at who they are and how they're operating and how they're moving. There's no question about it. And then there were some naive, let's just be blunt, easily misled Trump supporters. Some some, some people that were, were simple and 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 got riled up and did things they should not have done. Got emotional and did things they should not have done. Absolutely. I've said that on the show before. I have to go down this path every time I talk about January 6th or somebody will take me out of context, which they'll do anyway. Uh, and, and but, but So all of that to say, bad things happened. There were some bad actors that did bad things, but the vast majority of people there were good actors and were doing n- nothing wrong. They actually ended up in the Capitol because the barriers were already removed by Ray Epps and his clan. The barriers were gone. The police were literally inviting them in. There was no violence where they were going in. And they just went in and walked through the Capitol, did the little tour of the rotunda, and they left. And some of those very good people are being prosecuted now by an out-of-control, weaponized FBI and DOJ. And, and, and there's a lot of atrocities happening as, as a result of that. Now, um, I you know the the the, the January sixth videos that are coming out right now I think are a very good thing. It is criminal, in my opinion, and an absolute atrocity of justice that any January sixth person is being prosecuted without them having access to every minute of every camera throughout that entire Capitol. They absolutely should have been given all of that footage. And finally, two years later. Two years after being in the gulag in Washington, D.C., being mistreated and abused like they're in a third world country, they are finally being given access to the footage. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy. Thank you to the Republicans that took over in the House of Representatives because only because of them do these defendants finally get a constitutional defense. They're finally going to be able to uh, view the footage. They're finally going to be able to question their accusers by watching that footage. They're finally going to be able to use that footage and show what actually happened. And a lot of the narratives of January 6th are being completely destroyed. I mean, all of these lies about how uh, Brian, uh, man, I'm so sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but the police officer that died after January 6th, that, that, that the president of the United States to this day lies about that and says that he was killed by January 6th protesters, hit over the head with a... Uh, with a fire extinguisher. That is a lie. It's an outright lie. And and Tucker Carlson has released the footage that proves that. And and so a lot of this footage is finally showing the QAnon guy. I mean, he was essentially escorted by police officers into the Senate chamber. And and here this guy's going to do five years. I mean, this guy, I mean, I think he's got some, you know, mental issues. But, but, and, 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 Anyway, without going too far down that road, um, but he he you know to give him five years in prison for walking into the United States Senate escorted by Capitol Police, folks, that's not right. Not whenever you're letting 
BLM and Antifa protesters that burned buildings, that that threw Molotov cocktails into into things. Not when you're letting them out the next day, like giving them bail the next day. Some of them not even arrested at all. And then I, you know, I don't know what the worst. I think most of them are got community service at worst. And the few that are doing any time at all, far less than these J6 guys and gals. So anyway, all of that is bad news, but the good news is the footage is being released. And sunlight is the best disinfectant. Always has been. Absolutely essential. And 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 I'm so thankful that 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 the Republican Congress has done that. Now I don't think they should have just released it to Tucker Carlson and to the uh, to the J6 defendants. I think it ought to be out there for everybody to view at this point. But I'm but I'm glad Tucker got it. I know Tucker. I'm glad he got it. I'm glad he's releasing it. I'm glad they're reviewing it. I think he's doing a phenomenal job with what he's been given. It's an incredibly important responsibility. And the lies about January 6th, the Rostock fire, go look that up. It's 1933 in Germany. The Rostock fire, uh, the Democrats this time are the ones that are that are doing their Rostock fire using January 6th. They have for the last two years. It's the exact same thing that the Nazi Party did in 1933 against the Communist Party uh, in 1933. And it was all so that they could get the Communists out of Congress in order to get the, um, what they call them, Enabling Acts passed so that Hitler could get rid of free speech, get rid of, uh, of, of freedom of religion, get rid of all of those things that they used to have in Germany and begin his totalitarian uh, domination. Okay, and and the communists believe. I know that sounds weird that the communists were the ones that were thrown out, but don't forget the communists actually the enemy of my enemies, my friend. The communists and the Nazis hated each other, so that's why Stalin was our partner in World War II. That's why we teamed up with the communists to defeat the Nazis, and then we go into the to the Cold War. But all of that to say that January sixth was the Democrat Party's Rostock fire, and they have lied about what happened that day for two years. They have refused to release. The, what is it, 40,000 hours of footage because they know the truth will come out. It's part of why the 2022 election was so huge and by winning, and winning by only that handful of votes in the House of Representatives, it's a game changer because now the truth is coming out. It's going to take a while. Some people will refuse to see it. Some people will refuse to listen. And the left will continue to lie. But at least we will have those videos as Tucker releases them and as these J6 defendants get them. We're going to be able to finally reveal the truth. All right, folks, got to take a quick break. The phone number, if you'd like to participate, you may disagree with me on many of the things that I've said so far today, 888-589-8840. I welcome your questions, comments, insults, whatever you got. 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You are listening to AFA at the Core. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net. And sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Core, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. 
Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. An American bishop once told an African Methodist bishop that the African church simply needed to grow up. Why? Because the African bishop and church believed and defended the biblical view of sexuality, gender, and marriage. The African church and bishop were not the least bit intimidated and were unapologetic for standing with the Word of God. Someone responded recently that the African church does not need to grow up, but that the American bishops and church need to grow in grace. The American church needs to also grow strong in faithfulness to the Word of God and to God's worldview. Come to think of it, you and I need that strength too. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. This is At the Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. We're back here on At the Core with Walker Wildman and Rick Green. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Thanks for staying with us. Final segment of the day, and I'm just seeing the headline. Uh, um, we First segment talked about school choice happening all across the country, the state I was born in. I know, don't tell anybody because everybody thinks I'm a Texan through and through all the way from the beginning. It's not true. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an American by birth, but I'm a Texan only by the grace of God. Moved here when I was nine. My state of birth is Arkansas, and Arkansas has passed, I, am I reading this headline right? Universal school choice, and it bans the teaching of sexuality before fifth grade. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a champ. She's been pushing for this from the time she got sworn in just a few months ago, hit the ground running, made this an absolute must for their legislative session. Um, folks, I can't emphasize enough how big this is. This, this When I was in 20 years ago, 25 years ago, in fact, I went in, uh, Jim Bob Duggar was uh, in the legislature there in Arkansas at the exact same time. Um, you know, I mean, a lot, lot of good folks got elected during those, those, those late 90s, early 2000s. And you could not get people to even have a hearing on school choice. Like I said in the first segment, the teacher unions own education, and they've owned the legislatures for years. So the movement on school choice in the last two months is is blowing my mind. I just got to tell you, I 
I'm an optimistic guy. I go for it. I, I, I think you got to, you know, fire all bullets in the gun and really go after it. Don't, I mean, but I would not have predicted this at all. I may not have even suggested a strategy quite as aggressive as what has happened in the last few months. This is amazing. So God bless you, Sarah. God bless you. know, she spoke at Patriot Academy, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And, uh, and I was impressed, um, thoroughly impressed when she was Trump's spokesperson and, and did such incredible, uh, briefings. What a, what a contrast to the, um, the clown show that we see right now, uh, with the, with the briefings out of the White House. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a rock star. And to get this thing passed, um, that quickly, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, folks. I'm a little bit, I'm almost speechless. I don't think I've ever actually been speechless. I know my wife would love to make a joke right now if she were in here in the studio, but uh, Bobby's probably wanting to wanting to make a joke right now as well. My my producer extraordinaire. But um, anyway, this is uh, this is I'm just I'm just I'm basking in celebration right now, folks. This is incredible. So Arizona, Iowa, Utah, West Virginia, and Arkansas have now enacted universal school choice with these education savings accounts, these education uh, freedom accounts. This is fantastic, folks. This will have an impact immediately for the parents that are now able to use this and the kids that are going to benefit from this. But over the next couple of years, you watch. You watch how much all of education improves in these states, and then other states will adopt it. Now, i, I got to say, Texas, come on. Come on now. We can't be behind Arkansas, Iowa, Utah, and West Virginia. we got to catch up, so... I'm uh, Lord willing. We'll get it passed here in Texas as well. Okay, I've rattled on long enough. Let's get to the phones. 888-589-8840. We got a queue full of calls here. Let's see how many we can get in. Alvin was first to call in. Alvin from Arizona. Alvin, thanks for calling in, man. Go ahead. What's your comment or question? Hey, yeah, thanks, Rick. I didn't realize I would be the first one from Arizona. Well, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks, Rick. I have listened to you guys today for for a long time. Thank you, and um, I agree. Uh, uh, everything that they have for uh, you know, the, you know, all the programs and all that, and uh, I just like to uh, just, just identify myself <laughs> as uh, you know, I am Native American. Yeah, and I'm Native, um, and I'm Navajo, uh, probably so. Amen. And um, uh, and I'm a and I'm a born again Christian. Amen. And I, and we we should go around uh, a lot of issues about the Native American, and and uh, you know just one thing about the uh, reparations and all that stuff. It's just people that are uh, using that that uh, that that idea to uh, advance their own political agenda. But the Native American, they're, they're somewhat silent. I understand that. Um, and that, uh, and, uh, that we were not, we're not up there uh, burning buildings or anything like that. That's right. But we are there. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm just one voice. And well, in fact, and, and Alvin, people, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know my observation, you know I read I read a lot. I read, I'm Christian. I read the Bible and all that. 
and I, my observation is that is that most uh, American people are somewhat ignorant about uh, the Native Americans, and and when I hear voices about the Native American, it's usually uh, coming from an ignorant point of view. Yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and and Alvin, man, first of all, let me just say uh, to you as a Navajo, thank God uh, for the Navajos, and and, uh, and it wasn't only the Navajos, but they were the main ones uh, that did the code talking and uh, you know code talkers in uh, World War II. I mean, we 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 probably, I mean, it was essential. I don't know if I could say we would not have won the war without it, but it was essential for an extended period of time. And and uh, great movie with uh, with Nicolas Cage and Adam Beach. Um, that, uh, you know, um, tells that story and the sacrifice made, uh, by those code talkers. But it was, it was, uh, it's an incredible story. It's part of, uh, of your story that should be told, at least, um, in, in, uh, recent history. But I, I would say this, listen, the, the, the relationship between, um, America and the Native Indians is, first of all, mixed, right? There's bad, there's good, the bad, and the ugly, like I always say on the program. Um, there's a lot of good that happened. There were there there were Indian tribes that that um, you know obviously were essential to America um, winning the uh, the war for independence. There were uh, Indian tribes that that without them the settlers would not have survived and uh, the pilgrims would not have survived. Um, there there are a lot of great stories to tell, and then there's some horrific ones to tell on both sides, and that's that's the that's the part that the that the uh, educators of the day. Uh, unfortunately, don't want to do. They don't want to tell both sides. It's all one side or the other, right? Depending on where you're coming from, the other side was did all the evil things. It's not true. They, they, the white man did evil things, and Indian tribes did evil things. And uh, and 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 so I just I'm a I'm just going to keep it simple. I think you got to tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. You got to tell the horrific stories. You got to tell where people did wrong on both sides. And they, but then you got to celebrate where it was done right. And celebrate where we are today as a free nation. It's just like with with the whole critical race theory for for Black Americans. It's like, okay, yes, no question, we need to tell the evils of slavery, and we need to make sure that everybody knows that slavery has been a condition of mankind, and that in 1776 every nation on the planet had it, and you had black on black slavery, black on white slavery, white on white slavery, white on black slavery, white on red slavery, red on white slavery. I mean, every combination you can possibly imagine. Was was happening, and don't lie about what happened, and act like it was all the white man on the black man, or the white man uh, enslaving the red man, or what you know. Th- that's just such a simplification of, of the history, and so I, I think Alvin's exactly right. We need to be, we need to not shy away from this, and we need to teach these stories and tell more of this history and make it very clear. Because then, then you, you make sure that number one, that we we live up to our motto: out of many, one. That out of all of these different histories and all of these different cultures, we became the American culture, and we celebrate the American culture. Instead of continuing to divide us based on whether or not we're black or white or Indian or whatever else it, it might be, it doesn't mean you don't hold on to your culture. You do. You hold on to your culture, but you don't you don't hold on to it to the extent that you don't assimilate into the American culture. And I think it's been a travesty to um, to to many of the Indian tribes. That what we did with the reservations, I mean, obviously there was a lot of evil things that happened back then, but then even our policies going forward from that and the dependency that we that we created, instead of teaching American values and the free enterprise and all of those things, it just became an even even worse situation. So there's a lot of roads we could go down with that conversation. Now, we ought to do an entire program on that at some point. But God bless you, brother. 
Appreciate you calling in. Appreciate you being a listener. And uh, and hats off uh, uh, to the Navajo and, and to to the role they played in World War II and, and encourage people to, to check out that movie as well. Okay, next call. Let's see how many more we can get in here. Barb is calling in from, if I'm reading that right, Nebraska. Barb, go ahead. What's your comment or question today? Mike, thank you for taking my call, and God bless you for all you do. You bet. But my concern is that poor shaman. I watched Tucker and saw the shaman's lawyer on there, and neither one of them mentioned a mistrial. Wouldn't that not the prosecutor not showing those tapes to the defense? Well, I, I would say so. I, I, you know, Barb, I, I think absolutely. I think I think the, this foot, especially. Here's the here's the key: the prosecutor would have had to know about a specific piece of footage that would have exonerated or at least uh, you know been in some sort of exculpatory evidence. I and I don't know that that's the case, but it it's it's very possible and very likely, frankly, that 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 will end, end up happening. So, I think honestly what you're saying, Barb, I think you're I think you're onto something for a lot of the J6 defendants that still haven't had their trial, which is why they're actually asking for a delay. Which can you imagine if you've been in the gulag for 2 years, treated inhumanely for 2 years, you want your trial to come. You know, they've already been violating the Fourth and Fifth and Sixth Amendments all over the place, and there hasn't been a speedy trial for these folks. But now you're the one saying we got a delay because I need to. I need my my team to to review this footage because there may be something in there that shows what actually happened, instead of what the excuse me what the other side is claiming that happened. So really good point, uh, Barb, and I think I, I think there'll be some opportunities for things like that. Okay, let's see. Britain is up. He's calling in from Oklahoma. And uh, I love it when I get corrected. So, Britton, go ahead. I, heard, I I see in the notes I'm going to get corrected on this one. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen the video of actually Babbitt's execution. And it's plain as day. She come through that window. She was alone. One small unarmed woman surrounded by a half dozen of those stormtroopers. One walked right up to her and shot her point blank. And she choked to death on her own blood. Now, don't tell me, Ed, with a half dozen of these guys around her, they couldn't overpower her, cuff her, and haul her away instead of executing her on the spot. Well, Britton, listen. Here's what I'd say to that. I've seen the video as well. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's quite I, I, the the way the video looks to me. There is a massive crowd right behind Ashley. All right, and 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 she and from the officer's perspective on the other side of that door, uh, and and there is a handful of them. I only see three in the video. There may be six. Um, and and there there's a, a big hallway there that they've got to defend, and that's the last line of defense before they get to the members of Congress, is my understanding. And when she when she's coming through that window, there's a mob behind her. Now, and I realize not everybody there should be labeled a mob, but from the perspective of the police officer, these guys have been screaming and banging and breaking the windows and breaking the doors, and you've got a violent crowd that is trying to get through those doors and and from what you've been told on the radio they want to they want to and I'm not saying this is true I'm telling you this is what from the uh, through the eyes of the police officers they've been told that these people want to get the congressman so for all they know the congressman are going to be harmed once these people get to him and if you're breaking the windows and you're slamming your helmet against that window or anything else you can find to break that window and those doors then for all I know you are going to harm those members of Congress, and therefore it's my job to prevent you from getting to those members of Congress. And so when Ashley Babbitt comes through that window, 
she is the first one that is coming that is part of that from from their perspective i still think she was innocent i still think she was she was not the one i i have seen no video evidence that she broke anything that she harmed anybody that she did anything wrong other than climbing through a broken window that 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 should be a hint that you're in the wrong place right but i think in her case she literally as her husband said was trying to escape the chaos that was happening in that little hallway right there. And so I understand that. And that would be the argument that I would make if she were being prosecuted. But I would also have to say that it is not, murder is not the right term to use for what the police officer did. And the police officer didn't just walk up to her and, and, and shoot her in the head. He's they're, they're literally defending that corridor. And she's the first one that comes through. So I, I know that's not popular. I know a lot of you hate me now. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail and a, and a, and a lot of uh, and you're going to say I'm not a conservative or I'm not whatever. That's not I, I just let's be rational. Let's look at the video. Let's look at the facts and say blind justice equal justice. We're going to approach the facts regardless of whether it's BLM or uh, Antifa or Trump supporters that are breaking through a window. And if you're breaking through, if you're coming through a broken window like that, and the mob has been trying to do it, you have to, uh, you have to, you have to have the same answer to what the police should do at that point. Now, could they have, you know, hit her with a stick and pushed her back through the window, or shot her with a rubber? But absolutely, that's probably true. I don't, I don't, I need to know what their protocols were and what at that point they believe was possible to stop the mob. Okay, I. I all right, hold your hatred and calls. No, I know it's not hatred. I, and I don't mind you asking or making making your points or completely disagreeing with me. And maybe we can extend this conversation next Tuesday when, when we're back on. But here's what I would just ask you to do. Blind justice, equal justice. The law should apply the same to everyone. All right? And that means if you let all the Antifa people out and you didn't prosecute them, at this point the J6 folks should be let out. They've done enough. They've served enough time. But we also have to treat the police officers the same on every side. And when they're corrupt and when they do something that's a crime, we go after them. But I'm not so sure that's what happened in this case. Thanks for listening today, folks. You've been listening to At The Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.